Hello, this is your Netflix vs. Cinema host, Tosin. Welcome to the delayed third episode of Netflix vs. Cinema. Unfortunately, we had a bit of a snafu with our recording equipment on the Isle of Wight, so that was recorded down a phone line, and it might be a bit muffly, but we hope you still enjoy it. Sorry, and hopefully see you next week. In the red corner, wearing red and black trunks is... In the other corner, wearing many different trousers all at the same time, it's... And all their friends. So without any further ado... Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast where we try and answer the increasingly relevant question... Are you better served playing a small ransom and sitting your butt down in the cinema or paying a small ransom and sitting the same butt down in front of a TV, computer or phone for your entertainment needs? My name is Tosin and I'm based in Coventry in the UK. And joining me from the Isle of Wight, also in the UK, are Sean. Hello there. And Sharon. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, good, good. I'm, Real de- good. I'm defrosting slowly. It's been uh-huh. a chilly one down here, Tos. Oh, right. oh it, actually, it actually snowed here this morning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I believe in snow. <laughs> I yeah. don't see it very often, but I believe in snow. Well, well that's, that, that is the drawback to living in the warmest place in the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can count the number of times I've seen snow yeah, in my very, life. It's very rare down this way, isn't it? When yeah. we do get it, it's like, it's like panic stations. But it's nice, it's nice, it's always nice. <laughs> yes, I do. When I was a child, I was like the child in The King and I. I believe in snow, even though they've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it was crazy this morning. I saw him got out of the house and uh, went to the car and I said, oh, I forgot something in the house. Went back in. It was raining when I got out of the house. Went back into the house and when I came back, I, what I picked up, everything was white. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, I was like, what, what, the, what did that come from? It just, it just showed up out of nowhere and it's hung around all day. Well, it hasn't been snowing all day. But the snow's been on the ground all day. Wow. Yeah. So, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like innocent snow. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they, they, uh, they tell me that it's, um, it's a benefit to living in a colder part of the country. But hey, quite frankly, I'd rather have the warmest area of the UK. But anyway, <laughs> enough of that, enough of that. So you guys been going to watch films and I hear that you guys are planning to go watch something tonight. Yes, we're going to watch Glass. We are going to watch Glass, yeah. premiere. I've been looking forward to this so much. I mean, I loved Unbreakable. Loved oh, Unbreakable, Unbreakable is, a is, a, is a really good movie. And Split was all the more better for the after credits. Yes. And it was like, whoa, whoa. And so this, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward to this movie. Yeah, I think it's going to be intriguing. I think it's going to be intriguing. Yeah. All right, cool. So now let's go. Let's carry on with our random efforts to figure out this conundrum of Netflix versus cinema. And our solution to this is to engage our borderline addiction to movies, go to the cinema each week, watch something on Netflix each week, and then rate them and see where the better time was had. Now, at any given time, Netflix has way more to watch than is on offer in the cinema. So we have a few rules to help make the fight fair. But before we mention the rules, Sean, you are a lover. You are an avowed lover of the cinematic theatre experience. Isn't that right? Have been, have been, yeah, have been since a small child. Yeah. I just love the cinematic experience. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's, it's like a major, major thing for me, okay. cinema. So the last sentence I just said, does that worry you a bit? Because 
essentially at any point in time netflix just has so much more to offer on than is in the cinema where you have if you're lucky yeah films. it's it yeah yeah i but i think what it is is uh, i mean i'm not really that scared by it originally i was like a little bit annoyed is why why would why would they make films but then on the other hand there's so many people that um, probably haven't got access to to a cinema or can't go regularly i mean I'm in the enviable position or we're in the enviable position that we, it's quite relatively easy for us to get to the cinema. Yeah, true. And so, so it's handy for people like that. And I guess it's, 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 it's not like a competition, but some of the, 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 you can have like, you go to the cinema for like the major, major big releases. I mean, you know, the cinema, like films coming up this year will be like the Godzilla movie, King yep. Godzilla, King of Monsters and those sort of movies. Now those, you have to see at the cinema. I don't think it doesn't matter if you had one of those 50, 60, 70 inch screens in your house. I still think that would be a cinema experiences. But for some of the movies, some of the smaller movies that, that, you know, translate well to, well, I think so, so Netflix. So I don't feel particularly threatened. You know, I did, I was to start off with when it first came along, I was thinking what's going, but now I've sort of come to terms with it. And, and I've even <coughs> watched a few things on Netflix myself. So, yeah. so, um, I think the new and the old, they do meet, and I don't think we need to be threatened by it because I've, I've had this sort of conversation about ebooks versus print books. Okay, yeah. And the similar thing about, you know, streaming music versus owning CDs or owning vinyl. Um, you can, it, it's, they each have their own value, and I think you can, they can coexist. I mean, like the vacuum cleaner didn't get rid of the broom. It, you know, I think yeah. they can coexist. That's it, yeah. Yeah, so a coexistence. So, so yeah, I think I'm quite accepting of it, really. To be fair, it's not. Sometimes it's nice and easy. You can just come home, sit down, yeah. and think, "Oh, I can't be bothered to go out tonight because we're talking about the coldness or the wet or whatever." I'm just going to sit in. Oh, what's on Netflix? Oh, that looks a good movie. <laughs> you know, it's like as I say, I watched I watched a movie this week actually, that on Netflix. So, you know, um, well, yeah, and it was okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, well, you see, now this is the this is part of the thing that I have because um, I've started getting busier with work. And when you're trying to figure out what to watch, because I'm self-employed, so I used to be able to go watch films during the day and then do more work at night and all that kind of stuff. But then you look at it and you go, oh, okay, look, if I go in now, okay, that, uh, it starts at two o'clock. Oh, that doesn't really work because I've got something at four and the film's not going to finish before then. And, then. and you have all that problem, but with Netflix, you can just go, what, what's it, three o'clock in the morning? Yeah, press play. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you because sometimes the timings at the cinema, I mean, there's been movies on when I've oh, yeah. to see and you just can't see them because they're like at seven o'clock like in the afternoon. Nine o'clock in the evening. Yeah, and you think, yeah. I've got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so it is good for that. Oh. For that. But I think, I think you do still need the cinema for the big major releases. Yes, you I know? think so. Because there's some, you know, great movies. I mean, the in, Infinity War, you know, I mean, that, that's something you need to see. And I think sometimes at the cinema as well with a big movie, is if there's more people there, you can actually get a, a bit more of an atmosphere. Whereas, uh, you know, if you watch, if you was to watch something like Infinity it's, War on your own or with your thing, it's just not wouldn't be the same, you know. So you're saying it's, be that experience. You're saying it's the difference between, uh, let's say, going to watch a football game in the stadium and watching it on Sky at home. Yeah, probably much like that. Yeah, atmosphere, <laughs> atmosphere. Yeah. You know, you in the you in the dark with X amount of people, and and you know, and you might hear a few gasps. Amongst with the and popcorn we've both had a situation where yeah. we've been alone in this. Yeah, yeah. We're not alone together, but you know, you've had a screen to yourself, and so. I've had a screen to myself a couple of times by yeah. turning up to a, a really random film, and I'm the only one in there. Yeah, that's quite an interesting I, experience. That, that, well. I quite like that. I quite like that experience yeah. as well because you can totally immerse yourself. Then, because I mean, the thing is with watching things on TV is it's really easy. 
you know, someone might come around and ring the doorbell. Yeah. It's easy to pop out and say, oh, I just make a cup of tea or I need to go to the loo or whatever. Yeah. So you, you have got that, you know, whereas if you're in the cinema, you can really, really immerse yourself. And yeah, yourself just, in. and in my house, it's a bit like the song, my, Our House in by Madness. <laughs> it's, there's a line in it that's saying, and there's always something, something it's usually quite loud. loud. Yeah. And so in my experience house, it's you can't just sit down and watch a film without interruption. It just doesn't happen. Someone comes in, normally and says what's all this about and it's like yeah. i'm not gonna have to explain the whole plot pause it <laughs> and then start again if i want to watch it it's so i think there yeah. is something to be said for an immersive quiet zone <laughs> okay okay cool good stuff uh Having said that, we have got some ground rules to try and make it a level playing field because if not, this thing could go all over the shop. So, yeah. and I, I'm, quite, I'm actually quite happy because I think that the films we have sort of re reflect this. So, the rules. Number one, you can't just watch something that you've seen at the cinema. So, let's say you watched a film and you really, really liked it at the cinema, like, Sean, you mentioned Infinity War. I know that's recently yeah. come on to on-demand services. You can't go watch Infinity War, then come back and watch it and go, oh man, I watched Infinity War again this week. It's awesome. <laughs> and, I th and I think this is where, this is one of the places where Netflix comes into its own. Because you know the smaller films, and I know it's happened to all of us, where there's a film and you said either when they schedule it, they put it on a stupid o'clock and you just can't make it to it and it's there for a week and it's disappeared. And you're, you're like, oh, but I really wanted to see that, but now I'm not going to get a chance to. And I think this is one of the places where Netflix comes into its own. It's those small films that you missed at the cinema that you really wanted to see. You can catch them up on Netflix. And that's actually what happened with me this week. So I have a film this week that I saw called Ideal Home, which is one that I wanted, is one I wanted to see when it was in cinemas. Didn't get a chance to because I think it wasn't, I think at that time I was living on the Isle of Wight and I don't even think it came to the Isle of Wight. But now, it would never yeah, it probably didn't. I mean, that is, that is that is one problem with the island is they don't get all the movies. No. Yeah, quite often there's been loads of movies that we haven't got, which people would like to see. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. They just think. That, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so the first one is that you can't see something you haven't seen at the cinema. Right. Okay. Yeah. Second one is that we're going to try and we want to bring in Netflix originals, so things that Netflix has made, because. This is where you, when you say they can live beside each other, but this is where I think that Netflix is actually actively trying to disrupt things up. I think they're going, they're kind of going beast mode. It's a bit like you, Sean, when you go to the cinema and decide, <laughs> I'm going to see seven films this week. <laughs> Netflix, yeah. Netflix, they're going a bit beast mode because they are getting world-renowned filmmakers. We've spoken about the Coen brothers. We've spoken about, oh, I still haven't seen Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. But even this, like, even today, I mean, Netflix just sent me an, an uh, what's the word, a, an alert saying, oh, this new film's coming. And it's a film by Steven Soderbergh. So, yeah, they got some, they, yeah, yes. that's it. They've got some, well, as I say, I watched a Netflix film and there's quite a few. Well, I mean, I've seen a Netflix film called Wheelman. It yep. was 2017, but it was a Netflix original. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you've seen that, Mine that's doesn't... Skin of the Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix. it was in the Netflix original, so yeah. so they wouldn't even we wouldn't have seen them at the cinema at all. Well, the, if it's a Netflix original, it was never at the cinema. That's it. it so it was never at the cinema. So I think Netflix is they as they are doing a lot to try and pull people away from cinema. I mean, someone like Steven Soderbergh, I think it's made for him because he's just all about experimenting. This is a man who retired, then came out of retirement to make a film on an iPhone. So it's. So I feel like he's always looking for, and I think for the more experimental filmmakers, they will love something like Netflix because they'll be given less of a budget but more control over what over what they can do. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. All right, cool. So kind of watch something you've seen at the cinema. We have to have Netflix originals. And the um, third one is TV series. Because, I mean, even calling them TV series nowadays is a bit weird. Because it's not really... I mean, what do you mean? It's kind of it's just almost kind of like a longer film nowadays with TV series. It's, it's not... I, I don't know. It's because you don't just watch them on televisions anyway. I, I just think it, it just, it's just... It's becoming a bit of an archaic term. But if it's a series you must have finished at least the season. So even talking about season one of Friends, you must have finished that if you're going to talk about it yeah. on the show. Yeah, that's fair, dude. Yeah. A cool. whole season. Really. whole season. Yeah, a yeah. whole season. So you're talking about the whole season. And um, cool. And with so without further ado, let's crack on. And first up, we're gonna we're gonna let cinema come out of the uh, come off the block swinging this time round. And uh, cinema, we're gonna talk about Stan and Ollie. We are going to talk about Stan and Ollie, which yeah. is the film that I think we've both seen this, haven't we? Yeah, we've both seen this, and this is actually the big one in the cinema. It's up, apparently it's the number one in the UK, which I've got to be honest with you, kind of surprised me. Yeah, well, I mean, they're well known. I mean, it was it was like Christmas, wasn't it? I mean, mm. in the run up to Christmas, like the first, as soon as December started, you'd have the Saturday morning Laurel and Hardy, um, and they showed them on. Talking pictures Talking on the television. Pictures, yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people are maybe seeing them for the first time on there. From this, yeah. But um, um, but no, I mean they were quite fun. <laughs> they were great. They were like a stable thing. They were quite fun to watch. BBC you know, two, what I mean? BBC two, yeah. BBC two, yeah, Saturday on there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I mean, so there's certain. So, I wouldn't say I remember all of them, but the ones I really, really do remember, and they make reference to it in this film, is the piano. The piano, the piano, the French the from Legion one. That's one I remember. Yeah, I remember, and the other one I remember, which I love, and I think it's called a day out, and I still do it now, and I even talk about it sometimes. It's where they're in a car and they go, "Oh, bye, <laughs> oh, boy, they're off for a picnic or something." I just, I still remember that. That was hilarious, and I still think about that now. And I sometimes I say that if I'm saying goodbye to someone, I say, "Oh, bye, thanks for coming." <laughs> so, what is this film about? I haven't seen it. Yet. Oh, right, okay. So, what's it about? Apart from being about Stan and Ollie, <laughs> Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy, yeah, Laurel and Hardy, two great actors. Do you want to go on this one, Tosin? Um, okay, cool, I'll go. So, obvi- so obviously, so Stan and Ollie of the title are Laurel and Hardy, the, the sort of legendary comic duo who are known, they transcended from the silent film era and they went into like the actual sort of talkies, talkies films and they're just, they're one of these enduring comedy acts where even though you might, you, well, I mean, their heyday was way, most of the people who were around in their heyday, which was, I think, the 30s was when they sort of kicked off. There's not that many people mm. left who were th- who saw them first, but you, people still know of Laurel and Hardy and still know about the name. And this is a film that is, it's a biopic, but it isn't, it isn't going like from the, it isn't going from cradle to grave. It is focusing really on, well, the film opens up and it opens up at when they're at the height of their powers. They're in the middle of making a film with Hal Roach at the Hal Roach Studios. And they are discussing because um, Stan, who's Laurel, and if you only know them from picture, he's the, you have one of them is quite rotund and one of them is quite skinny. Laurel is a mm-hmm. skinny one. Mm-hmm. Hardy is the returned yeah. one. And so, he's a Yorkshireman. Is, is he from Yorkshire? Stan Laurel? Yes, he's from Stan Laurel. Yeah. Alverston. 
Alveston. He was born That's in Alveston. That's it. Yeah. And he, uh, so he's kind of like the more business-brained one of them. And he's talking about the fact that he's, he's referencing all these people who at that time were contemporaries like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton. And he's talking about the fact that they have a cut of the films that they're in. So that means that every time the film gets shown, and even especially those times when they had reruns before everybody had TVs, he was like, mm. they get a cut of that. We don't get it. And he's talking and he's like, we need to get, we need to renegotiate and we need to get a cut of our own, of the, of, of our own shows or our own films. And Hardy's kind of like, well, I don't really know about this. Let's not rock the boat. I think I've got a good thing here. And they have a really nice tracking shot that sort of shows you what studio life, filmmaking life was like at that time. And for someone like me who just loves talking about filmmaking and loves how films, that I really, really like the opening of this film. That it jumped- yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, carry yeah. On, it, it sort of shows you the yeah the studio system which was around for a lot of years because it mentions about the contracts, isn't it? And they've got yeah. they've got yeah. like different different contracts. So so with with Hal Roach, he was just like he, I mean he was like one of the major. You had Max Senna comedies and you had Hal Roach. He was like they were like the major producers of of those type of films. Yeah, um, Harold Lloyd, Charlie Chaplin, and uh, of course when stars used to sign contracts that was only for a certain time and, and they basically had a hold over you the studios yeah. had like yeah. a major major hold yeah and obviously the different the contracts are running out so so stands is running out and and ollie's still got a few years to run isn't it yeah so i mean that sort of that that sort of starts starts ball rolling really yeah it, it kicks a ball rolling and then you jump ahead i think it's was it is it 16 years into the future 16 years, yeah, I yeah, believe. I think, it's, I think it's 16 years you jump ahead. So it's now the 50s, I think it is. And 50s, yeah, 50s. Yeah, yeah, and they and then they show up in Newcastle in England. So In yeah. England, yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they got, they've got to do a tour. They've been, they've been given a lot of shows. So um, yeah. they've, got this, they, they've got this agent. And the agent, um, oh, he's, he's a bit... It's not very nice, is he? The agent. He's, 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 a, he's English. He's an English agent. He says, "Oh, and and they look into this hotel." He's an absolute smarm bucket. He's a smarm bucket, isn't he? <laughs> really, he's a smarm bucket. Yeah. A, a total smarm, smarm bucket. And yeah. um, anyway, he says, "Oh, well, you know, the hotels will get better as we get more. You know, we get more more running." And all through the thread of this film, sort of, Stan has had this idea that he wants to make a movie, and he's got this idea for a movie about Robin Hood, and it's yeah. sort of been a bit of a carrot for for oliver to come yes to yeah. to england to do these shows on stage shows and everything like that and of course they go to like these hotels and things and they're all um oh mr really nice that you know so so they are recognized yes but they they you know they have to go through all these different shows they go all around the country in different areas and obviously the first show they do is um at, oh, they're talking to the one of the lady in the hotel she says oh you must be playing the, the rock she says oh no I can't remember the theatres, but yeah, says, oh, the you must Queens. be playing Roxy. Goes, oh no, we're, no, we're playing yeah, Queen's Hall. Well, we're playing the Tivoli. <laughs> oh, I don't imagine that. And they play the Queen's Hall, and they go to Queen's Hall, and there's like half a dozen people there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So they wind up, but uh, it gradually, you know, all these things go on, and it's it's, it's about the. I think it's you know it's really good. It captures it captures the feel of England in the fifties. You know, sorry, I should say Britain. Let's just say Britain because they do go Scotland, mm. and, and yeah. it really captures that. You know. I think there's even one time when they go to like Eastbourne, you know what I mean? And you go to the film and pop up, oh yeah, so it's really good, you know, like yeah. that. Worthing. So, Worthing. Worthing. Worthing, yeah, that's yes. it, Worthing. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. used to retire and live in hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. That's, yeah, and, and, and that really does come across, doesn't it? Sort of that. The retired that, that major era. living yeah. in the hotel on the seafront. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, but, but I mean, I think the the, the the characters are absolutely brilliant, aren't they? Yes. Do you think? Well, I think I think yeah. that the, the it's it's just done really really well because I think the characters are well sketched out. You get this whole idea between Laurel and Hardy, like who like what the different parts are to play in this partnership. You and there's like you know you talk about the film that Stan wants to get made and his and um, Ollie keeps asking. So when we're gonna make this film? When's the producer gonna come see us? When's he gonna come see us on stage? When's he gonna come see us on stage? And Stan just keeps like you know saying, well yeah maybe when we get to London. Oh yeah this or that or the other. And you can see that their careers have sort of fallen away. They're not as popular as they used to be. They're not as popular as they used to be. They're not like they're not like a dead set in the box office anymore. They're not really getting to make films. And it just follows them in this sort of twilight of their careers and really the twilight of their lives. Because you can as it as it goes on, you can see that Oliver has health problems and it isn't quite working. But I, I just I, because you have Steve Coogan playing Stan and you have um, John C. Riley playing Ollie. And I think the casting is actually really, really good. <laughs> they, they, they are they're brilliant. Not yeah. just good. I they, think they're brilliant. They're as, brilliant. As, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And they're actually, there's a, I listened to a radio show once and it was a time, it was when, when Oliver, not on this, this was, was, was going forward a bit yeah. more when Oliver was dying. And Stan actually turns up into the room and, and they've got a conversation on like Ollie's deathbed, which is really, really quite touching because there was a little bit of friction between yeah. them for, yeah. for certain things. Yeah. So it was like, you know, because the friction was there. And, um, but yeah, that's, so that's, I, I, no idea what it was called, but I'm sure it'd be on it's, like it's called, yeah. it's called Stan. It's called Stan, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you 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 know of it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They made it into a they made it into a TV into a BBC Four um, TV show as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, that's what it was then. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. Oliver on his deathbed and Stan coming and having a chat with him. Yeah. So that's worth a, a lot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it exactly. All right, babe. <laughs> yeah. Babe. Yeah. Gets anyway, old. back to this film. But I, okay, I think um, just to to move, I I loved this film. I thought that this film was really really well made. I thought it was really yeah. really good, and I thought it was a real it was a real good strong bromance. Because, yeah, yeah, because I think that's the is I I'm a fan of a good bromance where you have two men who either like you know typical way they can't talk about their feelings, they can't they can't talk about stuff or anything like that. But you can see that these guys love each other, and you can see how much yeah. it, you can see how much it's how much each one of them means to each other and just how much it pains like when one went because there was a bit where um hardy went and he made a film with somebody else and you could just yeah. see the pain in in laurel's yeah. in yeah. laurel's face and i think steve coogan and john c Riley just nailed their performances they have they you, do they, they have do. a feeling for these characters all the way through and it and even in the bits of the film that you think oh oh that couldn't have happened it gets a bit like you know, film, filmy. If you get what I mean, yeah. That you you go look yeah. it up and you go, oh wow, oh oh good, oh no no, that actually did happen. That actually did happen. I thought <laughs> another thing. I thought their wives were great. They yes. were like a double act all on their own. Oh, really, their oh, wives were fantastic, weren't yes. they? Yes, yes, you are. You are entirely right. Their wives, because their wives come over from America on a boat uh, <laughs> to to come meet them during the tour, and both of them have been married multiple times. So I think both of them are probably on their third or fourth marriage, but uh, and but these but the wives come over and you can see the 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 sort of 
friction between the wives because the wives are totally different characters. What like Oliver's wife just wants to look after him and make sure that he's all right and make sure he's not being pushed too hard. Meanwhile, like you know, Stad's uh, Stad's wife, I think she was uh, she she sounds like she was of Russian origin and she's talking about ah oh, yes, I used to be a dancer, I used to do this, I used to do that. Oh no, yeah. don't you understand? <laughs> and she's quite. But- She's quite ambitious, but whenever, but the scenes between the wives are awesome. The scenes between the wives, yeah, they are. They are but there's even it's even like a nice, it's like a bit of a juxtaposition, really, because you know there's there's a lot more friction between them. But there is quite a touching moment, I think, in one part yeah. of the film. There's quite a touching moment where they actually one takes the other's hands and yes. says, you know, oh. when there's certain things at hands, which was which was just oh. like, do you know what? Although, yeah, although. You know, although they, there's a friction between them. It's like, I know what you're going through right now. I know yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, so that, that was, that's quite, and it is on the whole, you know, by well, the whole film's really, really good. Yeah. And of course, at the end, at the end on the credits, you do see actual proper real photographs of some of the scenes that took place in the film, you know, nice. which, is, yeah, and, which is great. And there's even, a, because the film starts off with, um, well, obviously with Steve Coogan and John C. Riley reenacting a famous Laurel and Hardy scene. And when you see the original scene that they reenact, you're like, oh my God, their impression is dead on. <laughs> yeah, it was. Bang on. Their bang impression on. Is, it's... So yeah, but I, I, I loved it. I think it's I think it's a little bit slow. It's a little bit slow. And I think In in places, yeah. yeah in places. And I think if yeah. you um, and it might be of more interest to you if you have an interest in that in filmmaking of that time or just Laurel and Hardy themselves. Um, I'm not sure how much it would mean yeah. for people who just sort of like stumble across it and didn't know who these people were, but I I, I would love yeah. it. I'll give it. It might four. make people research. It might make people research. Yeah, I'll give it a four star as well. I agree with you totally on that. Yeah. Four star. It's a it's a four star oh, yeah. movie all the way. It's um, a four star movie. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, um, you sound that sounds so good, Toast. No, no, I've, I've just been, I'm just recovering from like you got a, a cold, sore throat. Have you? Yeah, we're coming from a sore throat, so every now and then there might be a cough, and I can only apologise to our listeners and our ten subscribers now. We've oh we've, ten, yes, wow. yes, I know we've had ten people subscribe to Welcome us. Welcome aboard! Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. We we hope to not totally bore you. And uh, anyway, let's carry on. So now we let's get, carry on. So we Talk get us a line. <laughs> yes, please do drop us a line. We're actually on Twitter at um, Netflix versus Cinema, so Netflix vs Cinema. Um, uh, tell us what you think. Let us know what your ideas are on. What are, what are you watching or at the cinema that you really like? What are you watching on Netflix? And give us your own personal scores and which one won this week. Did Netflix win for you this week or did cinema win for you this week? So now, Sharon, we have you giving us yes. one of these great wonders of Netflix, which is just finding something random, which... Yeah. Yeah, so this is a film called Skin of the Wolf. Yes. Yeah. And yes, it's a Netflix original. Okay, a Netflix original. I've never heard of this before in my life. Fire away, what is this about? Well, the, righto. Well, the one thing I found out about Netflix is if you watch one film, you suddenly get all these ones, you watch this, so you might like this. <laughs> and so I watched a foreign language film a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, a Norwegian film and this I started suddenly started getting a lot of foreign language films come up and this one looked a bit interesting to me so Skin of the Wolf is a Spanish film made last year for Netflix obviously Netflix is global so they do have a huge volume of, of sort of global um, films here yeah and this is a curiosity a little bit of a curiosity originally I thought it might be black and white because it had that sort of the, all the trailers I'd seen had that sort of really bleached you know, sort of desaturated look about them oh yeah yeah uh, but it, 
in colour, but it's all sort of very muted tones. Uh, basically, the story is, you see, it's about one man, basically, who has who lives in this abandoned village high up in the mountains uh, of Spain. And you get the, you don't, it never ever gives you a time scale, but you get the feeling it's probably set in the sort of twenties, thirties, between the wars. That's the, the feeling you get. Okay. And that he's this man lives in isolation in this deserted village. There's, there's, it used to be obviously be a thriving community because there's a church, there's a graveyard, there's houses, but his is the only one that is still intact. The rest are just like a shell of things. And he basically it makes his son. He sort of scratches a living up there, and he traps wolves. And at the end of the season, he basically comes down into the nearest town, which is a two day walk for him through the mountains. And then he sells all the skins that he has sort of cured over over the winter in his own. But he lives in isolation. OK, so and far, so far the title sort of, makes sense. Yep. So then you see him trekking down the mountains and he's got a couple of contacts with the local village. They view him as a bit of an odd bod because he's like he appears once a year or twice a year. Um, he's got one of them he's quite friendly with and he was chatting to this one guy and this one guy was saying to him that you, you can't carry on being on your own up there on the mountain you know sort of year in year out what you need is a wife oh. and then if you get yourself married you're gonna get then you'll have children and then you'll be like everything be perfect for you <laughs> and so basically <laughs> and so basically that gets him thinking and then he thinks okay i'll get myself married and then basically, that's where everything starts to go wrong. <laughs> wow, there's a surprise. And I don't really want to tell you too much more about the rest of the story, but you see basically the effect of isolation, how it, how it affects different people in different ways. Oh, yeah. And for him, this is he's obviously found his niche. He's like, this is his life that he wants to live. But then you add another person into that mix, and it doesn't actually... It isn't like you just have an extra person in your life. You know, you've got to take into account their life as well. Good. And someone who's lived in isolation, um, obviously they've got used to not communicating. Yeah. They may be used to sort of, if they live in a, a raw existence, then, you know, acts of kindness may be you know, alien to them. Yeah. And so you can see how there's certain key events that happen over the course of the rest of the film. And you see that how things might have been different had there been, you know, more communication or there'd been more kindness or there'd been more understanding. Um, but basically it's not a happy every after film. And it, but it does explore that of the human condition of, you know, isolation on someone and how for some people it's the making of them, but for other it, it, some people it, it tears them apart. Okay. And so I thought it was an interesting film. Uh, so, okay. Now, Sharon, We've mentioned before in this show that we have done other podcasts. And the first podcast we did was one called They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, where we spoke about That's old right. movies. And I was listening back to some of those episodes the other day, and I came across the episode where we spoke about Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yes. And the, this, the, is not, this is not one bride. <laughs> <laughs> but the beginning of this film, the way you describe it, it made me sound like this is like, you know, Seven Brides from Seven Brothers, the low-budget Spanish version. Yes, it's only. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so every so things go a bit Spanish, do they? They go a bit European art house. Yeah, oh. it's it go, it is quite bleak. Okay, all right. For all that, yeah, it's easy to make this sort of film. When you read the premise, I was thinking that could go so wrong. It could, you know, it could just become like a oh, let's just live happy. Let's sort of skip through meadows and let's just hold hands and sunshine sort of film. Uh, it's not like that. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So how many stars would you give it? 
I would give it personally a four. Ooh, four so I would say that it has got um, some content that some people may find offensive. Right. Is it um is there is it much in the way of action? Is there much like in the way of, of fights or anything like no, that? No, 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 no fights. No yeah. fights. Oh right, okay. It's basically <laughs> a lot of people a lot of it, there's hardly any language speech in it at all. Is there's moments of silence where there's like a lot you spend a lot of time just looking at expressions and you know you Sometimes have to read into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so if you don't like reading subtitles, there aren't an awful lot on them. And if you're in, he's a man of few words. So when he does speak, he only says, you know, like three or four words at a time. Right, okay. So it's cool. very little speech. So it tells a whole story basically through, and you have to put, you interpret a lot of it yourself. <gasps> yeah. So it leaves it open to the person who's viewing it. So some scenes I was thinking, you could have done that better, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, had you not done that, then that wouldn't have happened. Or if you, and for each person involved in the film, you're thinking, if only you, and I think it's like that with a lot of films, isn't it? If you, you want to say, if only you'd done this. Yeah. This would have been a bit better. So I think it's quite interesting and in that it does examine that human condition about how one small thing affects other people in a way that we probably didn't realise. All right. Yeah. Cool. Four stars. That's I'll give it a four star. This... Because I think... It's not for everyone, but I, I, I enjoyed it. All right, four out of five. And, uh, well, I think you are more you are more adventurous on Netflix than I am, but that sounds like a find. Right. Well, now... <laughs> I'll just say, I did look at some, and I was looking, because I've suddenly been bombarded now with everything in, a, in another language other than English. And I did start to watch, watch a Russian television series thinking, hey, I might watch this and then give you a review on it. And you know how we said that we would only review things after the end yes, of the series? Yeah, series. Yeah. Well, I thought, well, I'll see how many episodes there are in this, you yeah. know, see how many I've repeated. There are 43 no, episodes in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting no, no. 43 hours of Russian television, yeah. I can tell you. So I may not be reviewing Arist- that one. <laughs> Aristroika. <laughs> right. Yes, I, I, I think I'll, I'll go with you on that one. All right, cool. Now let's get back to cinema. And I think this, is, this actually shows something that cinema can do to sort of combat the whole Netflix thing is the exclusivity of the whole thing. So, Sean, you went to see this film and I think this film hasn't actually been released in cinemas yet. This was a preview, right? Yeah. I saw it early, yep. Okay, cool. And so what film did you get to see? Okay, this is a film called Vice. Yeah. Okay, so it's... a. Uh, Vice, yeah, no, not that sort of vice. It's uh, the vice in the title is actually vice president. Yeah. So, oh, this is the one so, that Christian Bale got the Golden Globe for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the one. Yeah. So and he vice, said he so, was inspired by Satan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is really good. Did you ever see The Big Short? Did you ever see no. a film called The Big Short? Okay, but well, this is done I, I by the that. same. Yeah, this is done by the same. So it's very much in that vein of telling a story. Um, it starts off and it's all about Dick Cheney, and it starts off. When he's obviously uh, where, where he's sort of he's, he's a young man, he gets pulled over for because he has a car crash and the police pull him in, and he's a bit of a he's a bit of a sorry state. And then his wife says to him, and his wife is is a played by Amy Adams. Is she says, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put around with you. I'm not gonna be stuck. I've seen me father. He was drunk and all the time. You're gonna need to do something. You're gonna need to do something. So he decides that he he slowly works his way up, gets into politics. And, you know, uh, becomes friends with Donald Rumsfeld, who was becomes like an intern in the White House. And, and gradually that's how it goes. And it's a story. It does. And it does flash and it does flit a bit between different different sort of periods of, of how it goes. So you've, you've got like the Nixon era and then you're all up to date and then you go back a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. And it so is, does Christian Bell play all of these versions of Dick Cheney? Yes, he does. Oh, wow. And he's good. So he plays from when he's young. 
So, you know, to slightly older, to middle-aged, yeah. to like, yeah, <laughs> just... But then Christian Bale, I, I mean, I just so, so rate him as an actor. I really, yeah. really do. I mean, he was in Hostiles, and I yeah, said how much I loved him in yeah. that. How much Hostiles, I loved him in Hostiles was a good film. Yeah, Hostiles was a good film. Um, he was Batman as well. Yeah, he was Batman as well. And he but was he good Batman. He was, he was Batman. one, yeah. What, He's been in so well, many I'll, I'll tell interesting you. things. Yeah, I'll tell you what, one of the, the the one of the things about Christian Bale that marks you how good an actor he is is that you forget he was Batman. Most other people, yes. when when they yeah. play a superhero, that follows them around. That's it. <coughs> yeah, that well, defines the them almost, yeah. yeah. You yeah. think about Christopher Reeve, you think Superman. You think Michael Keaton. Mm. Even though he's done a whole bunch of other stuff, you still think Batman. But Christian Bale, you don't think Batman because... No, you don't. Not because at all. You, he hardly ever it. looks you the don't. same in two different roles. <laughs> he never looks the same. So yeah, he plays. So he does play him at different periods yeah. in his life, which is which is great. And this is, yeah. So this is this is quite a political move, and it goes up to all about the Iraq War and how, you know, different companies were and 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 how things were stage managed and how it was all all sort of put together to, if you like, they wanted, um, you know, they wanted Iraq because basically it was it was basically saying because of the oil really because yeah. because Saddam had nothing to do, nothing at all to do with with the 9-11 no. they just needed someone and and they actually said in the they actually say they say we need someone we need and then we need a we need a we need something need to say guy. to the people yeah we need a bad guy and we need it we need somewhere where we can actually say to the people well this is the place where it's going to be and yeah so I, I won't go too much into that but it's great because it for me i mean all the periods that it takes place in were periods i grew up so you oh, know yeah. when it comes to the nixon era i remember so for me for me, it was it was like oh, yeah. clarity there. Yes, yeah, real clarity, and yeah. I could I could relate to to most of what was going on in this film, and it was really really interesting because you didn't know anything about Dick Cheney really until I suppose you'd heard the name, but now with this film, obviously people yeah. are going to be. But I have to say, apart from all that, apart from all the substitution, all the thing that it is played, you know, he's like a man who believes in what he believes. So it's, yeah. it's I don't think he's played as a horrible man. I don't think he's played as a particularly so you don't think he is just... satanic then? Wow, well, he might be. <laughs> he probably is, but uh, what, what what I mean is, it's it's the way that people believe what they do. Yeah. So so you no matter what you think, it's it's, when, it's, it's yeah. what they think. It's what they believe. It's like you know, it's like, and I always come back to the analogy of say someone like Maggie Thatcher. Yeah. That, that people hate it's quite or love. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no middle ground with them. It's either hate or love, you know. And and there's no, and those but those sort of people that they do what they believe in. So. And I think it is played with a slight Marmite bit of sympathy. People. Marmite people, yeah. So, but from this film, I can understand why people would, would, uh, would, would think he's Satan. He yeah, because, but, you know, he's just doing it. He's trying to think, you know, what, what the best or what can we do to make things better? But obviously, a lot of the richer people do profit from it. So it's, um, which is, which is the way of the world, I'm afraid. You know, money goes to money yeah. and people, that's what they do. But what's really, really great. <laughs> There's, there's an after credit scene which I think is absolutely brilliant an after credit scene because they, they do during the thing they've got this this one scene where they're doing a poll and people saying oh you know what do you think of whatever's happened you know about Raw and that and they've got like the the, the they, they just say their piece but then right at the very end they've got like oh you bloody bleeding heart liberal you know like, <laughs> it's the greatest thing so the after credit scene it's worth saying. Loads of people left for you know as soon as the titles come out, yeah, and then there's this after, after credit scene about 
bleeding heart liberals and right wing extremists. And <laughs> so, so if you do go see this, stay to for the after credit scene because it's is it that's the really, very really end interesting. Credits or is it like halfway? no, no, it's halfway. So you get like the main characters. So you know you'll get like obviously Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, and then after and that, then then it cuts, then, in. Then, it cuts yeah. in, and then you get the rest of all the sometimes you've got to sit through, you know, all the grips and all the yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to do that before you get to the extra credits. Yeah. I actually it's quite just, like reading through all that stuff. Yeah, I do as well. And sometimes it can be quite fun because there's some really, really strange things. You look at compositors, you know, and there's like Zamoski, Volonsky Bok, and, you know, really funny names like that. And you say, oh, wonder. Apologies to any Volonsky Bok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not laughing at you. No, we're not. But it's just like trying to. Surely you are so going to get us sued. I might. Oh, well, okay. There's probably no one called that name. That's why I said that. But you never know. Oh, dear. But I mean, hey, he's a compositor. So, you know. And he's on the credits, which, you know, I mean, because of credits, people obviously on the credits. I like to see, they don't always put it on films, but I like to see where things are filmed, where they're on location. where is on location in. And you go, really? Yeah, no idea it was filmed, you know. I, I, the Czech Republic. I, that's yeah. it. I quite like as well when, like, they show TV program, they show bits, clips of films, like on TV, and then it goes yeah. with thanks to Warner Brothers for letting yeah. the show, yeah, ET clips or whatever. So I, I just like uh, it. So when it they, is nice to say the credits. I like it when they start listing all the music and they start saying, "Oh, yeah, this yeah. is yes. song by that person." I was like, "I thought that was it. I thought that was that person." Yay! The <laughs> only thing I get stressed about with the music is they often put them two side by side, and so you haven't quite got yeah. time to read yeah. all of the performed by, have you? When you you identify yeah. the song, and then by the time you've actually got down to the performed by bit, it's just disappearing from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. That's it. You know, that's towards the yeah. end of the credits. But the only thing the I found with so I've noticed. I oh, sorry to, to chip in here, and they were still talking about advice, but. I've noticed on Netflix, sometimes it doesn't let you watch the credits. It skips them and it's like, oh, the film's over. Bye. I'm thinking, <laughs> no, I want to see <laughs> the see cast and who or who directed or who. I, there's people I want to identify and thinking, I want to look out for them. because I really thought that was an interesting piece of filmmaking. Yeah. And it's gone. And I'm thinking, how do I get the credits back? <laughs> <laughs> go, go, going back to the performances in this look, film. Like, yeah, yeah, Vice. Yeah, going back to the performances of this film. Uh, Sam Rockwell. As w, w, George w, w, yeah. I think is yeah yeah I don't know if anyone's seen the trailer have you seen him in the trailer no. yeah, just, I've seen oh, him in you the haven't trailer. seen the trailer for this no. film either he's in there and he's just like it's uncanny it's uncanny <laughs> how they look like him I mean like with Steve Carell Donald Rumsfeld I don't really know what he looked like so yeah. I can't picture him yeah, well, so, yeah, so they, they, they've put prosthetics on Steve Carell's face to make him look like Donald Rumsfeld uh-huh. put some, I mean for yeah, yeah, George W. Bush. It is. I mean, he's not as he's not as um, he's a lot thinner than the actual George W. Yeah. Bush, but he does look yeah, like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does, he does do, look like him a lot. Like he's him. like, oh, are we gonna do this? Are we gonna do this? Hot <laughs> yeah. damn! Yeah, hot <laughs> damn! Yeah. So it's quite good. Oh yeah, and there's a clip of Tony, like when they talk about the Iraq bit. Yeah. They do show the sort of ITN Tony Blair bit, you know, oh. yeah, the Americans amazing destruction and all that sort of stuff, you know. So, so okay. So with this, I'm, I'm guessing that it, it's something that um, it's probably because a lot of the things that happened are things that either you can find out in the public domain or people just really wouldn't know what went on behind the scenes. So sure, I, yeah, I'm it's, that it's, a bit like the Big Short. Is it a bit like where they use the style to help you make to help yeah. make the story accessible? That's it. There is even a. There is even a. Um, uh, I can't remember who the actress is. Margot Robbie like, in a show. Talking. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Not quite that. No, <laughs> not quite Margot Robbie. But um, you know, it's uh, yeah. So, but yeah. So someone who you would all know. I can't remember the actress's name. All but, right. 
she she has like the, the she's like doing the commentary you know and and so yeah and explains it all you know because like in the big short they were yeah, explaining yeah, yeah. what yeah. different things were so yeah and there's this thing called the something something theory the, the something something theory where the president can actually do whatever he wants to do and they, it's got there's no repercussions and can actually do anything so yeah. so that runs through the theme as well but yeah it flits a bit back and forward and as i say it's really relevant to to where we are now. moments in yeah moments in time you know with different like with the nixon thing and all that way cuts his teeth with the campaigning and because he wasn't very good there was a scene where he, he tries to become a senator and he but he's not he's not particularly good at being a front man you yeah, know i mean no. he doesn't come across particularly well as being a front man so okay. he just has to do it he has to do it sort of uh okay oh yeah there's a great okay. thing i'm just gonna say this thing <laughs> and there's a great thing because he goes he's he's like you get these scenes of fly fishing, fishing you get these right? signs of fly fishing, and that's a great there's a really good scene and that's when he's talking to george w you know what i mean and it's obviously you can see and it's the things he's saying and that and it's like he's he's doing this fly fishing you know what i mean and then go on gotcha you know what i mean so that's a that's 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 yeah, yeah good character scene yeah really oh, good okay, how would cool. you rate it then um okay yeah i think it does lull in a couple of places and it, and it tends to go on a little bit too long but i really enjoyed it on the whole but it's only going to get a four star so okay. four star. Still good. so still good so so another four star because i liked it i liked the idea i thought the performances as in stan and ollie were absolutely brilliant and um, yeah, Christian Bale, I think is is class. Okay. So I, I liked him in American Hustle as well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. Big four star for me. Four stars. Cinema. Cinema swinging. Cinema. Cinema's doing well this week. All right. Cool. Um. Now, Grace and Frankie. Oh, sorry. What, what I meant to say is that you guys have to get to the cinema soon because you're going to go see Glass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We are. So. Uh. So we need to. So I'm just going to try and speed up things up a little bit just so you. For sure. So we get you again. It's like, all right, cool. So um, I saw Grace and Frankie. So I've finished watching season two of Grace and Frankie. Now, this is a show. I'm not sure whether you guys have seen it or heard about it. Have you? I've never heard of it. Nope. Ah, okay. No, cool. no, no idea. Now, this is the kind of thing I think Netflix does really, really well. This is a TV show that stars Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Wow! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now some of you. All oh, right. Okay. Nine to five. Were they exactly. Yeah. They were. They were. They were. They were in nine to five. They were in nine to five. That Dolly Parton has not shown up on this show yet, but <laughs> there's, uh-huh. there's always rumors that they're trying to do something. And the, the whole idea of this show is that okay, so uh, Jane Fonda is Grace, Lily Tomlin is Frankie, Frankie, and they are two. They are married. Their their husbands are partners in a law firm. And so because they're partners in the law firm, the husbands are really, really good friends. They have been in each other's lives, but they really don't like each other because Grace is very sort of like prim and proper. And she's like, you know, the sort of country club lady. And Frankie is a hippie, quite frankly. She's kind of like, you know, the kind of person who would have uh, like, you know, protested the Vietnam War, all that kind of stuff. So who plays who? Who's the? I'm assuming that Jane Fonda is the free spirit and Lily Tomlin's is slightly uptight one. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, you're not being serious, are you? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's the other way around. Jane Fonda's the uptight. Other way one. around. Yeah. Okay, because I think Jane Fonda used to be the protester, the free spirit, the do what you like. Oh, yeah. okay that's interesting yeah yeah because no for me i've always seen jane jane fonda as the kind of person who you would see in a pantsuit yeah so and lily tomlin has always struck me as this kind of like like just watching her on screen you have this feeling that 
she'll either be fun or really, really annoying on a set. Because you feel like she'd just be like this free spirit floating around. And I think the show does, the show plays into that. So Frankie is... It's been it's a long-running show, isn't it, Tozin? Yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 a, it's about to do its fifth season. It's about the fifth yeah. season is coming out this so, and it's And it's one of these shows where I started watching the first couple of episodes and I went, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I left it alone. Yeah. And I left it for about, it must have been about three years or something. And I was like, whoa. They're still making that show. Well, maybe they built on the original premise. But the premise of the show, the big thing about the show, is that one evening, Grace and Frankie are told to, they're, they're meeting up with their husbands. They're having like a sort of double date. So they go to a restaurant, they sit down, and the husbands sit them down and tell them that they are leaving their wives for each other. If that makes sense. So. What the hey? Exactly. So they've been married 40 years. These marriages have been going on for 40 years. And the husband sit them down and tell them, well, we're sorry to tell you this, but... We, we love each other. We, yeah, the, the husbands tell them we love each other. We've been, we've been having a clandestine affair for 20 years and we are leaving you for each other. <laughs> we're leaving you to come out of the closet to be gay and get married. And Out and proud. So is it, is it, is it like a soap opera then? No, no, it's a comedy. It's sort of like a, it's like a comedy it's a drama. Comedy, yeah, but I mean, is it like a comedy soap? Because it sounds a bit that way if it's been running that long and it's like, I, 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 no. I, I mean, I've not seen it. I don't know nothing about it, but I've got this picture of it just being like about these four dudes and a few couple of other people coming in and, and what? sort of the relationships between yeah. it all. It's, it's not really a soap. It's not really a soap. It's, it's definitely more of a comedy. And it's, uh, and it's um, each, each season is only about 10 episodes long. Each season is only about 10. And it, but it deals with things like, oh, like, for instance, each one of them. So... Once one couple has two daughters, one couple has adopted two sons, and right. they, so they bring all the kids together and they tell the kids what's happened. And the kids have all these conversations where they're talking and they're saying things like, "What, what, what the heck's going on? What, what do you mean? What do you mean, Dad's gay?" <laughs> and all that. And they, <laughs> and they, they say things like, "Look, if my father had been cheating with a woman for twenty years." we would be mad at him. But because he's been cheating with a man and because he's gay, we can't say anything. We're just supposed to be fine with it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I love the fact that this show, it's, it's a really, really funny show, but it also deals with a whole bunch of like issues. Like, okay, how are you supposed to deal with this? A woman who has put her life, uh, is she 70 years old? How does she start again? How do, but then Grace and Frankie, because obviously they can't live with their husbands anymore. They leave, they each leave the house and there's a beach house that has been owned by both families and they both end up there. And so they end up being this odd couple situation where they live together, but they don't like each other and they've got to try to figure out how to do the whole thing. And then it's, and a lot of it is about, it, it deals with a lot of issues for, for older people. Like the, where, okay, if you read anything about this, you, you eventually realize that they go into business and Frankie creates a lube out of yams, which they start selling. And then they decide, you know what? They, they start talking about things like sex is actually quite difficult for older people. So they start coming up with ways of making sex easier for older people. And that becomes their business. <laughs> but it's a very, very funny show. It's very, very well observed. And I can add, I, I think it's one of these shows that happen. It manages to be funny, but also deal with the real life issues at the same time. There's actually, a, there was a whole thing about euthanasia that was put in there. Because that's where you have to deal the sort of questions that have to come up when people grow older. But I would, um, so I finished watching season two. I would give season two of Grace and Frankie four stars. And I would recommend that wow. everybody go watch it. It's a really, really good show. So we know about Jane and Lily. Who 
who's the husbands? The husbands are played by Martin Sheen. Okay. Yeah. So, so Grace's husband Robert is played by Martin Sheen. Frankie's husband um, Saul is played by Sam Waterston. He he of Law and Order fame. Wow. So they're they're so, not people you'd obviously think of as playing sort of a gay couple, would they? Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing I, I really really like about the show because they are they they. they Well, I, I know that nowadays probably pro- people probably complain and say, oh, why aren't the characters being played by actual gay actors? But I think that it's just done really, really well. So, yes. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, as I said, Martin Sheen plays, Martin Sheen plays um, Robert. So, um, Sam Waterston plays Saul. And but I think what I like about it is that it just shows them as human beings. It doesn't, it's not a film, it's not a show that is particularly... It doesn't really have an agenda, so to say. It doesn't have like an agenda of, yeah, we're going to show this, then this is to show what the gay lifestyle at 70 is like. It isn't really about that. It isn't really no. about, it isn't really about, oh, look how bad those women have been done. It sort of follows, it looks at what it's like for the kids. It looks at what it's like for, cool. the, for the wives. It looks at what it's like for the, for the two because they, like for instance, the character of Saul particularly, he has a lot of guilt over what he's done. Like he's like, I love her, but I've lied to her for all these years, but this is who I feel I am and all that. So it's, it's a really, really well done show and I would recommend anybody watch it. And, okay, and so four stars, yeah? The four, four stars. stars. Yeah, four stars. The entire okay, cast is cool. good. All right, cool. Should, Now, should we move on then if we can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to Colette. Okay, cool. So okay. Colette, Sharon, can you tell us quickly what you, th- what you thought about Colette and how many stars in about two minutes? Yeah, Colette was a cinema release that stars Kira Knightley and Dominic West. They basically, it's a, a sort of sort of biography of the writer Colette. She was, but if you're a French or you're a student of French literature, you'd know her. Basically, it's like the whole Ballad Park. It's the end of the, the 1800s and she moves from like a country girl to going into Paris and suddenly being surrounded by the, this sort of bohemian lifestyle. And her husband, played by Dominic West, his name is Willie, and he's a very famous writer of his day. And then as she marries him, she realizes basically that he's incapable of, of being honest, incapable of being faithful. But they have a they form a relationship based on the fact that um, it's sort of almost like an open marriage that they have, which is sort of like quite modern, but it was part of that bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. And Colette, from being like this country girl, she basically finds her own identity, where that she explores her creativity. She ghost writes novels for, for him. He yep. puts his name on the book, but she's the one who writes them. Yeah. And they're called the Claudine novels, apparently were hugely popular in Paris at the end of the, the 19th century. That's why the, the 20, uh, yeah, the 19th century. And so um, you see them living these sort of lives where she's just trying to explore her identity as, as an artist. She starts to dance as a writer, even though her name is not known. And then she explores her sexuality as well. And her husband has his attitude, as long as she's sleeping with other women, she's not being unfaithful. Yeah. <laughs> But he and he has the attitude that, you know, because he's, you know, someone who's got uh, you know pa- many passions, that as long as. He tells her he's sleeping with another woman, that that's a part of their relationship. And so they have this sort of open marriage, and but it's there's this sort of tensions running through it about, you know, are they really being true to themselves? Are they really being true to their marriage? All right. And, but it's that for their relationship and their relationship with other people through their the sort of 10 years of their marriage. All right. And now this is a film that it feels a little bit like once you've seen the trailer, you might have seen the whole film. 
More or less, yes. I think that's probably quite fair. <laughs> yeah, but... Because you see her evolve from being this sort of country girl to being this sort of modern bohemian who yeah. sort of explores her sexuality, explores her identity, and then explores her, her person as an, as an artist. And then she develops her, her own writing career later and becomes you know, enormously popular in her own right. Yeah. But you see her basically in his shadow, and then it's her trying to find a way out of his shadow. And he's, he's one of these huge personalities that casts a big shadow, you know, sort yeah. of figuratively and literally. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so so, it's, would a, so you... it's an exploration of someone coming to know themselves. Would you recommend it? I, I would. I mean, if you like sort of artistic, sort of literary type films, then yes. I mean, if you don't mind um, sort of scenes of sort of same sex sexuality as well as sort of unfaithfulness and and those sort of scenes, yeah, then it's sort of you know adults will be watching this film who get the content. So yeah, I think it's fine. But um, yes, it's it's a strong cast. It's well performed. Um, I didn't know anything about Colette before I saw the film. So if you were a fan of her work, I think this would probably be something that you'd be particularly interested in seeing. But no, it's an interesting film for all that. I think it's probably got a bit of a niche market. I don't think it's going to be up there fighting out with, you know, the Avengers next film. But <laughs> have its own audience. Okay, so how many stars would you give it? I give it a three. Three, Okay. Three, that's three for Colette, and or just watch the trailer because that tells you everything. Right. Well, let's tell you the story. Sean, quickly, can you tell us about Wheelman? Quick. Yeah, okay. It's about Frank Grillo. He's a getaway driver. I like Frank Grillo. Yeah, Frank, I like Frank Grillo. He's been great. He's a getaway driver. He was the guy in The Purge, wasn't he? He was. The so, yeah. Purge. And basically, he's a driver, and he, he's, he gets in this bank robbery that all goes wrong. So, and so it's a race to survive, really. Uh, He's got a car full of money and his, his family are getting into trouble. So it's just like, I don't know if you've seen films like Locke, was it? With, yes. with where most of the, well, nearly all of the film is just him in the car on the telephone yeah, yeah, talking yeah. to people, driving around a few. So yeah, basically it says what it says on the tin. It's a really, it's, it's quite a fun movie if you like this sort of movies. And uh, yeah, I'll give it a three star. So nothing magnificent, <laughs> but it's, it's you, know, you know, it's a it's an okay movie to watch. Bish Bosh. Yeah, Bish Bosh, Bosh and, you know. There's on the tin. So yeah, well, so it's, it's a three star. Watch if you like those sort of movies. Okay, cool. I think now I know we have other things we've seen this film this week, but I think we're going to have to push those until next week. We are, we yeah, are. I think so. we're going to have to push Sorry. this next week because yeah. we have we have taken up a little bit too much time. So all that's left to say is who the winner is this week, and it is a dead tie. <laughs> a dead. Oh, oh, a dead tie. Well, yeah. how cool is that? We, we had two yeah. films with four stars on both sides, and. One thing with three stars on, on the other side. So yeah, this week it doesn't really make a difference. Go to go to cinema, go to Netflix. You can have a good time in either one of them. So all that's yep. left to say is thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our ten subscribers. Tell your friends. Let us know. Get to us. Get in touch with us on Twitter. Let us know what you think about it, and let us know what your thoughts were on one of, some of the things we've said. Agree? Don't agree? Let us know. Anyway, hope to chat to you guys um, soon. I'll speak to you guys next week. And all that's left to say is good night and good luck. Good night. Yeah. Good night. Good night. And. and Yep. Yeah. All, all, all right, bye. See you guys next week. Yeah. Okay, okay bye. Cheers.